just talking about an awkward incident that happened. I don't even know why I'm going to say this, but a yeah. friend of mine in the food world, I hadn't seen for a long time, and I he goes, like, shake my hand, and I go to shake his hand, but I'm like, oh, but I'm a hugger, so let's hug. So I hug it out with him, and then afterwards, I was like, oh, well, what if he's not a hugger? Like, yeah. you just, there's so many, like, weird things since the pandemic and just, like, since the Me Too movement that you have a different lens that you yeah. see through. Yep. And, and maybe it doesn't kick in right away. But no, like, and it was totally after the like, fact. Oh, I'm like, maybe he didn't want me foisting myself yeah. on him and hugging him just because I'm a hugger. Yeah. So creepy. And then I was like, oh, and I was all paranoid. Anyway, okay. to get to the top two an hour two and the questions that we're holding over. So, Cindy, let's get to your second question that you had. I think we answered your first question. Cindy, are you there with your question? Oh, I am. Yes. Okay. Okay. My other question, question was about like sheet pan meals. Yep. Like with chicken and vegetables, and there's such a thing as like a variety of them to make them in advance. And yeah, know, there's a ton um, of sheet pan meals. Are you wondering about how to make them, or yes, yes? And then um, you know, like go-to recipes. Do I just is there? Yeah, I, I would just. There's a cookbook. <laughs> there's a sheet pan recipe cookbook that's Plenty. pretty good. Yep. And I would also, you can Google it, but basically sheet pans are, you're going to do either chickens or you're going to do sausages. If you want okay. everything to kind of cook the vegetables at the same time, I would go with sausages because that'll be easier. Yeah. Um, okay. You just cut up big chunks of vegetables, big chunks of meat. If you're doing chicken, a lot of times they have you start the chicken first, then you add the vegetables later. There's different techniques, but it does work and it's a really easy way to get food on the table. Okay. Sounds real good. All okay. right. Yeah. All right. Thank okay. You very much. Love it. All right. All right, and then last but certainly not least is Annie, and she's got a Bloody Mary comment or a question. Hi, Annie. Welcome to the Weekly Dish. Hi, good morning, ladies. Good morning. What's your Hi, what's your favorite place to go to for a Bloody and downtown St. Paul before a wild game? Oh, oh this is a good question, friend. Oh. I've got a few. Are you okay, ready for yeah, me? give it up. Okay. Yes, First of all, I do think the Happy Gnome still has amazing it's Bloody Marys. It's the Gnome now. The Gnome, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, gnome Craft Bar, I think is what they yeah. call it. So that's one option. Uh, also, Holman's Table in St. Paul, down by the airport in St. Paul, has mm. a fantastic Bloody Mary. They serve the Lovejoy's Bloody Mary mix, and they're real proud of it. And they do a little Bloody Mary bar down there. So I think that's a good spot. Mm-hmm. Also, Sweeney's. Oh. Old Tavernish Sweeney's in St. Paul has a good Bloody Mary. They have one that has like a whole chicken wing in it. I'm going to shout out <laughs> to Handsome Hog. And their brunch uh, situation, they have a bourbon bloody with bacon, bourbon, and the house bloody mix, which is delicious. Yummy. Okay, and one more, last but certainly never least, <laughs> would be Red Rabbit on Grand Avenue. They have sure. a great Bloody Mary, Good too. Long. Excuse me, Red Cow Red on Grand Avenue. Cow on Grand Avenue. <laughs> cow and rabbit, but cow. Yeah. Cool. 
All, All right. right. Did that get you set up? It does. Yes. Thank okay. You. Enjoy. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Okay. There we go. So those are our questions, which leads us to the top two and our two. two. One, two, one, two. And now the Weekly Dish presents top two, top two. The top two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right. Give me two. With him. With him. With him. All right. So. Oh, are we ready? Yes. Do you want to start? Sure. I will start. I'm going to shout out this, uh, you know, this coming up week is Mardi Gras. So we got Fat Tuesday coming up. The French Hen, which is the cute little place, uh, you know, kind of they've just redone there. Selby Dale. They are doing a Fat Tuesday dinner on February 21st, um, 5 to 9 p.m. They've got an a la carte menu and seafood bar. And it's just going to be good. And it's a, and it's proceeds are donated to Chef Benny was a, a longtime chef that they had in, in their staff who recently passed away. So there it's, it's a benefit for his family. So it's good times and good food and good deeds. I kind of love that. I do too. Okay. So I'm going to say I went to the Minneapolis Institute of Arts. Yeah. And I did one of their wine tasting events that they tied it in with the art that they have. Yeah. So it was an art and wine after dark event that was about a taste of revolutionary France. And Bill Somerville talked about French revolutionary wines and the cultivation of wines in the context of this exhibit that they have. That's literally the very first fashion magazines. Yeah. And they were plates and they have them in this super pristine condition. So you can see how the fashions changed during the French Revolutionary War and how influential fashion was to your um, to your presentation of how you showed up in political world, too. Yeah. And then also how that intersected with wine and the taxes. Super fun. Uh, I would highly recommend these little events that they do at the Institute of Arts. And you can find out about them by subscribing to their newsletter because they do sell out pretty fast. Um, but they really talked about that they're going to be doing a lot more of these. So if that's something you like, we tasted four wines. We had a little bites from Paris Dining Club, and it was really fun. That's so good. So MIA is number two. MIA or is... Or number one for me. Is your number... Okay. That's very good. Um, I'm going to shout out the fact that it was really funny to me that you <laughs> talked about mug cakes and stuff yes. the other week. And then on Valentine's Day, I made a mug cake. Oh, so you were thinking about it. It was hysterical. Well, it was because you made me start thinking about it yes. for some reason. And then, um, but I made it a boozy mug cake, which is, oh, of course. Okay, that's you know, right on brand for you. Yep. So you throw a little, and I just put it on oh, what to cook for when, but <clears throat> it was basically just a, um, a cavil. Uh, it was just like a big fun time of mixing up a bunch of stuff in a mug, which I realized I was talking to Matt, you know, my kid, the yep. geo boy. He was like, what's a mug cake? He'd never heard of it because we didn't, we didn't make those or anything, but and he's not exactly a Pinterest kid. Right. You know? So he ended up, uh, so I was just, we were talking through it and it was like, yeah, you throw a bunch of like wacky cake ingredients into a mug, you microwave it for 90 seconds. You get it out, you stab it, you hit it with whiskey, you're good. That's funny. So he didn't know about that. No, no. I was like, it's like a little cake for one. Like if you don't ever, like it's so not a big deal. It's pretty great. Yes. Okay. So there you go. Uh, All right. So I'm trying to think of my next one. (laughs) Okay. Here it is. I'm kind of just scrolling through the phone here, friends. Right. Okay. It is the silicone one cup or two cup square molds. What's and that? what these are is imagine uh, imagine a piece of silicone that has one cups like a muffin pan, but silicone. 
and they're square. Uh-huh. So they come in one cup or two cups. So when you have, imagine your muffin pan, but it's square and it's made of silicone. Okay. And then you have soup and you pour like all of your soup into, ladle it across the top and into these cups and then you freeze it. And then you push out the cups into a Ziploc bag. So now you have one cup portions of soup or sauce or pesto or whatever, or two cups. And you can buy like smaller sizes too. Yep. It's just a way to hold these liquid vessels until you freeze them, until you pop them into Ziploc bags. Yeah. What is amazing though was like soup isn't obvious for me because I do soup all the time and that's how my kid got them for me. But I did um, grain bowls. So I made all this quinoa and I, this week I did an Indian butter chicken on Jason's show and I had like six cups of rice. So I brought the rice home and just put it into these cups and filled it and kind of packed it up. Interesting. And then I just popped them in a Ziploc bag. So now when I want to have like a rice bowl, I just pull the rice out in the morning, put it in the bowl and let it sit on the counter until it comes to room temperature and I'm ready for a rice bowl, but I don't have to make the rice. It's already been made. Wow. So quinoa, farro, barley, all that. you know, any of those things. If you're a big bowl eater, sometimes the hardest part of the bowl is waiting for the grains to cook. Yeah. So that's my second one. These little silicone pop out. I'll put a link to them. What's really funny is that I got um, a little four square one from an ice cube. Like it's supposed to be an ice cube tray. Same, same. And I was like, I was thinking about that the other day when I had like just that little end of stock that wouldn't go into like the jar that I was going into. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to put it in the ice cube tray. And I froze those. And that's the exact same idea. Perfect. That's perfect. I'm still eating out of the freezer, too, in case anyone's wondering. But it's... Uh, I think you will forever always be oh. eating out of the freezer. Let's just be very clear on that. And I'm starting seeds, too. So I'm starting to like already think about all the things I'm cooking. I went through all my seed catalogs at the lake last weekend. You did, huh? Kurt and I, we made our plan. I ordered more seeds. I looked at the seeds I had. I looked at what failed, what didn't. And I got like all excited about the garden again because my garden last year was kind of meh. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I remember it not being the most successful or fun thing for you. It wasn't the most satisfying yeah, because I didn't... had the worms that I discovered last yep. year, those invasive worms, and they ate all my beets. It was dry. So I yeah, just, it was like, dry. It was potentially dry in the beginning, droughty. wasn't it? Or it was super wet in the beginning and then it was dry. And then it was just hot and dry. Hot and dry for the rest of the summer. And I was just waiting for the tomatoes the whole time. So yeah. I'm I'm getting my, this is what I love about gardening though. Like you yeah. get reinvigorated. Right. You start And you get it. to try again. Yep. Yeah, I probably will not do lemon cucumbers this year because I like. I, I was went thinking on, about you. I know I went on the journey and I found them, and then I just didn't. They just did not do what I wanted them to do last year. Stephanie, I am starting a lot of seeds, so yeah. I think I'll have a lot of seeds for you. Okay, and then you can fill in because you know I'll just plant yeah. too many seedlings, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't even begun to decide what that's going to look like on the old patio this year. But that's it's funny. It's like. All of a sudden, I was reaching for, I was looking for sage, and there was no sage. And I was like, God, I just wish, or chives, it was chives. And there were no chives. Oh, yeah. And I was like, dang it, my chives game is best when I can just walk outside and grab Yes. It. I'm officially declaring that I'm only wearing vests <laughs> for the rest of the winter. <laughs> I'm over winter. I've lost a coat the other day. I think I might have <laughs> left a coat at the butchery thing. And I was like, oh, well, I've had that coat like five years. And I don't even want that coat back. Like oh it's just God. dirty and holy, that's and amazing. I'm over that winter coat. I'm only wearing vests for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, that's a thing. The cardinals that are chirping. Yeah, they I are mean, out there looking for their mates. It's going to be 38 mates. today. I am going to have to tell you something that there is potential this week for a midweek. 
Um, no too situation. bad, too sad, because I'm going to Mexico tomorrow oh, you're for going my tomorrow? third trip. You're going to miss it. Listen, Monday <laughs> through Friday next week is like, they said there's a potential for a massive snow event. So, Oh, okay. Just Great. setting you know. I'm also out of snow events with the plowman that we hire. So every time that it snows now, I get like an extra bill. Oh. I'm like, this is highway robbery. Yeah, this is. It's like over $100 to shovel our driveway. Yeah. And it's a long driveway, and the guy does a great job. But I'm just like, oh, please don't snow anymore. I can't afford it. Nope. Nope. Between food and shoveling. Like, I know. That's, it's just a that's lot. That's why I shovel my <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about knives. Because oh. we talked about butchering chickens with Cheka, And now we're going to talk about knives and knife skills with Joseph. He is from Vivrant. And we will be right back. In the first few weeks of any new year, an estimated 23% of people fall off the resolution wagon. It could be the beckoning lights of a drive-thru. Or winter fatigue. But it's not too late to get back on. Buy one month at YMCA now and get another for free. We're a community of real people who can help you hang on. Learn more at ymcanorth.org. We are back. You are listening to The Weekly Dish. And we started out the hour talking, last hour, talking about butchering chickens, which Stephanie and I did. And we're continuing on with this hour with talking about knife skills and sharp knives. And Joseph is here, Joseph Reuter. He has a store in um, the Wyzetta area called Vivrant. But he's also someone that you can ship your knives to. Joseph, you've got a really interesting story. Welcome to the program. Uh, what was your interest in knives? How did this get started? Yeah, thank you so much. Sure. Happy to be here. You know, it was during the pandemic when we were all at home, either either ordering food with our thumbs um, or wearing out our knives, right. cooking all the time, Yes, that uh, it occurred to me that I wanted... A, I wanted a service where it was really easy to get your knives sharpened without having to leave the house. Yeah. And as I went looking, it didn't immediately pop up. And uh, we now have that today. Google Pay, Apple Pay, one tap, and uh, we've got that running. A package will show to your house, a kit for mailing knives, and the postage is included, a guarantee, all that good fun stuff. And we safely uh, have shipped around the country thousands and thousands of knives now. Nice. This is uh, so cool. Even locally. So. Yeah. No, I totally love this idea. And does it matter what kind of knives? Uh, No, we sharpen serrated um, knives as well as you, you name it, right? Entry level IKEA knives don't end up in the landfill if we put a little investment in them. And then all the way up to crazy knives, right? Stuff that you're like, really? Um, we ship those and sharpen those too. And in the process, when we set up the store in, in Wayzata, we wanted to have a classroom. And when we went looking for what kinds of knives to have in the classroom, we learned that Japanese knives aren't well represented in the Twin Cities. Right. Yes. And we've brought a number of brands in and have those and sharpen those as well. Okay, that's amazing. And what, just as a layperson, what would be the advantage of a Japanese knife generally, just the quality of craftsmanship? Yeah, sure. You know, a Japanese take on life is, you know, it's very different than ours. (laughs) Let's say that about a lot of things. They just do everything more perfectly than us. (laughs) (laughs) 
it kind of seems like they take whatever it is. It's train stations or yep. you name it. And, German beer. And adopt yep. it as their own and then make it better. Yep. Yeah. Pizza, whiskey. In this case, yes. the whiskey, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, as I've, as I've been in Japan, as I've read about Japan, the list is very long, right, of things that it's like, oh, you, you Japanified that. <laughs> I love so, it. So uh, in this case, uh, we have brands that made swords for the emperor in like the 1200s. And we have brands that have used modern manufacturing techniques to, uh, to bring a Japanese take, either traditional or modern, to what are Japanese shapes. And their cutting styles are typically focused on pushing and then the geometry of that shape. Uh, changes as well. So if you take a standard kind of German chef's knife, right. it's intended to rock. And a Japanese chef's knife wasn't, you know, chef's knife. It's called a gaiotsu. And it's translated cow sword. They didn't start eating red meat until the emperor said it was okay to do so in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. And so that shape um, is different than a standard kind of rocking big gourd um potatoes those kinds of things yep and then they'll have specific knives for like cutting leaves the nakiri boo would be a leaf cutting knife and That's it doesn't cool. have a front yeah yeah and so where in america in the west we kind of want all the handles to be the same yeah they will want the knife for whatever you're cutting okay and there's a ton of joy that comes from that yeah and sounds like a fun afternoon for me to come and look at all the fun knives um, one thing yeah. about you that's a little bit different is is that you have a give back program where when you get your knife sharpened with you, you help people pay off their school lunch debt. So tell me about that. Yeah, certainly. When, uh, you know, very entrepreneurial uh, for myself and have started a number of companies. When I looked at this one, what I wanted to do was build a way to be able to take what was a challenge for me growing up um, and, and find a system. Let's build a system in a community around bettering school lunch. And uh, debt is a real obvious place to deal with that. In different parts of the country, persons and schools will deal with that uh, in a whole range of ways. And uh, what we do with our class revenue as well as our sharpening revenue is help uh, pay off debts depending upon the school district that we're working with, that happens differently. Sometimes it's direct with the district. Sometimes it's with a foundation that might sit next to the district. Yep. And you've got, you know, an average of $170 on a student's account debt. In a city of 50,000, you might have 8,000 kids going to school, and they're going to generate between ten dollars and $12,000 in debt to student accounts every year. And we think if we just start making school lunch better there, um, we can move to improving other parts of it after we just handle the debt. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And you must be real excited about the fact that they're talking about in the state of Minnesota that we're going to just offer free lunch for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this can get kind of challenging. It's, it's big business. And we think $4 for every kid, 60 million kids eat, in the in the country eating every day this is this is a big deal right yeah yeah. um for those kids that are right above the poverty line and don't get 
subsidized lunch, right? Or even if they're subsidized and they used to be um, receiving a full coverage of their lunch, that that that's where you're going to get the most impact. Now, we set out to improve school lunch, and the debt is just the place to start. When Minnesota passes this, and it seems like there's really good chances that it will, yep. it'll join just a handful of states in the country that will cover the lunch entirely. And so nationwide, and because we ship nationwide, there's plenty of other states to just yeah. handle the debt on. So I can still send you my knives, and you'll still help by by sharpening my knives and making my life better. You will still help reduce the debt of some kid in another state that's got school lunch debt. That's right. So we're focused win-win. here. Yeah, we're focused here right now, but we will shift um, to to where we have other contacts around the country. Yeah, I love it. And you've also got nice skills classes, right? How can people find out about your classes? Because that's an area that I'd like to get better in. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. So we have a French name uh, for a company run by a German guy with a bunch of Japanese knives. com, And there's a classes tab. Um, on mobile, it might you might need to go into that little hamburger menu. Yep, yep, got it. Um, I'm talking like the software guy I used to be. And uh, right there, there's a classes section. We have a number of classes. They happen Fridays and Saturday nights. And it's the part of the business that... Joseph, uh, we're going to get cut off, so really I just wanted to about. give you an opportunity to wrap up. It's vivrant.com, V-I-V-R-O-N-T.com. Thanks, Joseph. Hey, cheers. Thank you. All right. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. I had a good week of cooking this week. Oh, great. Um, yeah. So one thing that I did, and I will post the recipe, is we did uh Indian food thing on Jason's show where we went to this progressive dinner at Rog. And they have another one coming up on March 15th. It's a seven-course meal, and it's cooked by this woman named Chef Rosh. And is she, she still is, here? I thought she was just she, visiting. She comes back and forth. Okay. She lives in Austin, Texas. Okay. And she is... um I want to say the name of the province in Pakistan where she, I want to say it's, I'm going to say it wrong, so yeah, I'm not going to say it, <laughs> but she cooks a particular type of cooking that is from her family's Indian traditions yep. before Pakistan was colonized and it, there's a specific type, but it is so good. And I was telling you a couple weeks ago about how one of the things that she made was this um, vegan pastry dough that was like puff pastry that she made with avocado oil. Oh, yeah. And you can see that in the package. And it's like, it looks almost like a chicken pot pie. It looks like a dumpling wrap. Like it looks like a galette, maybe. Yeah. Just, and it's this just beautiful purse that inside it is this fragrant rice and squab. Oh. And it was just like one of the best dishes. It was so good. But I just am like always very curious about Indian cooking. I love cooking and I just think that the food is so flavorful and the spices are so warm. And in wintertime, I just crave Indian food. I don't know why, but I do. And our friend Chef Raghavan Iyer has the um, cookbook 660 Curries and a new one. He has a new one coming out. Called the Curry Spice Trail and you can pre-order it. Yep. I'll put that on the Facebook page yeah, too. I've pre-ordered it. it. I'm waiting to get it. Um, In any case, I made... What like I was like, okay, how do you take all this Indian like love and lore and like bring that into your kitchen? And the instant pot is a super good way to do that. So pressure cooking is huge in the Indian culture. Yeah. So we made or I made Indian um, butter chicken in my instant pot and so good. So flavorful. 
Jason really liked it. You know, it's just Is that your... the first time you'd made that for the show? No, oh. I've made it a couple of years ago, but I made it a little bit different. Okay. I really tried to kind of just stick with simple like Indian cooking without like all the fancy spices. With Indian cooking, there is a lot of spices, but like Jason's like, I've never seen so many spices in one dish because there's, you know, the grand masala. Yeah. You have the smoked paprika. You have the cumin. You have chili powder. You have salt. Um, you had turmeric. There are a lot of different spices that kind of bloom and create that complexity of warm flavor. Yeah. Um, also, like tomato paste. And what a lot of people do is use tomato paste as a thickener in a sauce. What the Indian folks do and what I think we should all do is they cook it. So they cook that Indian, um, those spices with the tomato paste until the tomato space gets like more brown mm-hmm. than red mm-hmm. because it's actually cooked and it has a different flavor profile then. Yeah. And then you add your tomatoes, your chicken, your coconut milk. Um, actually, you, then you add your tomatoes and your chicken and then you instant pot it. And then you add the coconut milk and the dairy at the end yeah. and stir it all in and, and then mint and cilantro and rice and yum and let's be very clear you don't need to instant pot butter chicken you can make it on the stove too so if you guys don't have an instant pot butter chicken is a beautiful dish that you make on your you can make in a pot just on your stove too and i'm gonna add that in my recipe too someone was like not everybody has an instant pot yeah because i would just start with the chicken then right exactly So you're just gonna brown your chicken for you know six to eight minutes however long until you get a good Mm -hmm. feeling like you got a good head start on cooking it yeah and then finish up with the spices and the tomato paste and then and let it simmer. I would say that sometimes we have done it where I had rotisserie chicken already. So they had like a bag of chicken that I'd already cooked. And then I was like, let's just make the sauce. Yum. You know what I mean? And so that was an easy way to do it, too. Because you definitely don't need a pressure cooker just to make the sauce. It's really easy. I had all the. I didn't even think about that stuff yeah. because I had made this on the show. Then I had all the ingredients to make it because I was doing a show and tell too. Mm-hmm. So I ended up with basically two large batches of butter chicken yeah. at home in the afternoon. And yeah. I was like, okay, I got to finish up this batch. So I ended up with all of this butter chicken. It didn't occur to me that I could have just like held the sauce. Yeah. That would have been smart. And yeah. put it in my one inch cubes. Hello. Froze it and put well, it in a Ziploc bag the, for another freezer meal. The first time we ever made, like, remember the first recipe, that butter chicken that went viral? That that was an instant pot recipe? Probably. Like 10 years yes, ago. And I'm I can't sure remember I her it. name. And, and I we should remember her because she really was wonderful. But her, her recipe is basically like, this is more sauce than you need so that you can freeze it. Yes. Like, that's in the recipe. Yes. Okay. Good, smart things. I also was thinking about you this week because... Yeah. For Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day got kind of run over by the Super Bowl for me. I was yeah. so focused on like the chicken wing thing yeah. and making these chicken wings and air fryer and blah, 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 that like all of a sudden I was like, oh, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Like I have no gift. I have no plan. And we were going to the lake. So I was like, well, let's just cook a steak. Kurt loves steak. Mm-hmm. And then I'll make like some steakhouse sides. So I did put a post up about different steakhouse side recipes and also about like how to butter baste a steak. Because putting a steak in a cast iron skillet and butter basting it. Oh, that's it all I do now. Is a great way to cook it. I That's all I do now is I stick it in. I actually do the reverse sear on all my steaks. Mm-hmm. So I put them in the oven first, you know, kind of low and slow, like maybe even 200. And I wait for it to get up to the 115 or 125. And then I bring it out. And then I just skillet up a bunch of, you know, like really great butter and then just baste it. Put a little thyme in there yeah. and baste. Mm-hmm. Um, for sides... For your steak, whatever yes. kind of steak, I had a cauliflower mash, yeah, which is a little different than your mashed potatoes. Chive butter, which you put that right onto the steak. Good. 
instant pot mashed potatoes because obviously mashed sure. potatoes. Um, I had a loaded baked potato hot dish Ooh. that I made around Thanksgiving time that was really popular. We've talked about cream corn. Mm-hmm. I have a recipe for that. Popper deli sage and mushroom pasta, which I only created that recipe because of you. Because I remember one day <laughs> you just like we're talking about it yeah. and the sage and the butter, the brown I am butter. All about, I like, think it was last winter and probably, I was just like, oh, I went through a big mushroom. Phase. It was last winter, wasn't yeah, it? I think I did. I went through a big mushroom and, and then just like because letting them go slow and low again. But I stovetop skillet with a lot of good butter and a little sage and thyme. Mushrooms and thyme love each other so much. They do. And also, I think what happened, thinking back on it, was those R&R cultivated mushrooms really started showing up in the grocery store with all these like fresh, different, unique kinds of mushrooms. Right. Well, that's a huge thing right now, too. There's even like, I feel like that's blooming this spring a lot. I love it. They're going to, the lion's mane one, remember that one? Yes. We got so many questions about that one. Uh, Instant pot artichokes, because I think when you do like steakhouse is where you like order the the whole artichoke and you dip it in the melted butter and... Um, I did a spinach salad with a jammy egg and bacon vinaigrette because that's kind of a when you that's go to perfect. a steakhouse. Yeah. Um, also, this is a real simple one, but I'm kind of obsessed with I'm obsessed with fettuccine just in general. Yeah. Because I eat it a lot. But the lemon um, fettuccine with a crispy buttery just a crumb. Oh, yeah. Something about like bready breadcrumbs yeah on top of on top creamy of a, lemony pasta do you do the yum yeah or like do you are you doing like vongole with that ever i mean like you know do like a little lemon uh clam pasta vongole is like fettuccine and white clams that's yes like a, that's like one of my favorites i do that that kurt used to make that yeah vongole. he would put olive oil garlic rosemary thyme Red pepper flakes, salt, mm. pepper, kind of make like a little pan sauce mm-hmm, situation. Mm-hmm. And then he would put the can of um, clams yeah. with the juice yep. in that. Yep. And then throw the hot pasta water, like a quarter cup of hot pasta water and the pasta in there and give it a toss. You know, that was like one of my favorite things from um, Buka way back in the day. Like way like you guys like. That's probably when he started making it. Yeah, it was like we would have it on the rest on the, you know, sometimes every we'd order it to go. I'd order it to go after bar and just have it so that I could have it at home. And I Yum. just love. I know you're going to make that for dinner tomorrow or today. I know I might. <laughs> I, I might. just see your face. Well, this the funny is what thing happens. is, I know. And I have a can of clams waiting for it. I don't have any fettuccine, but. I'm going to the store, so. <clears throat> so there's that. Yeah, that's what um, happens. Okay, here is a quick, I, I love cream spinach. Here's a quick cream spinach hack, okay? Okay. So you take your spinach and you saute it, and then you wring it out so that you get as much water out of it as possible, and you set it aside. Now you have to make, it, make like the creamy part. So you can use a little bit of cream or half and half, but then you put on the borson cheese. Yeah. Or you can substitute, I use the humble goat garlic herb. And so you're making this like cheesy kind of creamy sauce and then you throw your spinach in that and you stir it all together and then you put it in your pan and then you top with panko, salt, pepper and Parmesan cheese and you bake that. Okay. So delicious. I have a weird thing about cream spinach. Do you remember this? I just like, I just love wilted spinach. You know what I mean? Like, like hot oil, wilted garlic spinach. The creaminess of it is like a, it's like a disconnect in my mind. I don't, I know people love it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying people adore cream spinach and I have a weird, and it's not a texture. It's just the fact that I'm, my brain loves plain spinach so much that to cream it up feels just strange to me. Okay. I know that's weird. That's No, that's it's my not weird. Weirdness. It's you. But it's I'm just like, 
Because when I think you know, of spinach, I think it. of cream. Right. And I never do because I eat it like probably weekly, just tossed in the pan with olive oil, like heated and then wilted. Yeah. I love well, that. Well, and Dolores does this a lot too because she just puts like olive oil, little red pepper flakes, yeah. then throws whatever greens. Yeah. That's, could be kale, could yeah. be spinach, could be whatever, could be arugula. Yeah. And then she just finishes it with lemon juice. So that's yeah. kind of how we eat it mostly in the summer. That's how we eat it. All year. And then that's what I throw into, like, if I'm going to throw it into a, a beans dish or if I'm going to throw it into anything else. I love it. I know. All right. So that is just thinking about some steakhouse sides because it was Valentine's Day. A lot of people go and, like, eat at a steakhouse or have steak at home. If you, like, I mean, just steak. What are your top three steakhouses in the Twin Cities? Manny's okay. is my number one because of... I'm just a hometown girl with that one. Yep. Um, and then I would say, though, honestly, I I, I think uh, I don't. That's kind of like where I go. But then everyone is telling me that 801 Chop House is the bomb. It so I good. do have a date to go there with <gasps> no with some friends. I have to stop her every freaking time. When I you said a God. date, I just like, <gasps> no, I have a date with some friends to go. And so it's good. I know everyone seems to love it. So I have to give them a chance. They have a great creamed corn. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Oceaneer's going to always be my cream corn I know. benchmark, so I don't know. But I don't have, like, steakhouse favorites. I just, it's either Manny's. I'm either going to Manny's or I'm not. Okay, I'm going to P.S. Steak. Well, P- okay, that's not fair because I don't think of P.S. Steak as a steakhouse. It's all I think of it as. Yeah, I know. I sit at the bar and I get, like, drinks and, like, snacks, <laughs> so I don't think of it as a steakhouse. I can see that. I don't, I don't know if I've had steak there the last three times I've been. Okay, because that would be, like, and then I really have liked um, Six Smith or Baltimore. Also, See, again, for like I guess locally I'm not owned. thinking that as a steakhouse. What do you think of that as? I just as a, a restaurant. Okay, and and you know, Pittsburgh Capital, Blue used to be great, but yeah, I, Capital Grill's good. Also, I mean, Manny's, of course, yeah. Murray's. Uh, you know, to me, that's like top three. Yeah. It's third, but it's top. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm so in. I'm in. Just as I'm putting you on the spot to make lists of. I know. I have to ask you about a fad thing next. So Please. let's take a quick break and come back. Okay, you're gonna fad things. That's something that's fad. That I need your take on it. Your oh, because you know I'm probably upside down in it if it's a fad. Uh, I'm always I'm sucker for the fads. We're gonna di- we're gonna talk about it. All right, we'll be right back. That's one of my like favorite lines from a song. I, what was it? Sometimes I feel like everyone's a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill. Oh wow! Just like whoa! Like if you just think about like her in Hollywood mm-hmm. and the way yeah. that everyone presents themselves, and I I have my Taylor Swift. I'm not going to the shop concert, but my Taylor Swift game is is oh love her. Okay. Um, also love Trampled by Turtles. Just digressing and going to Red Wing to see that show at Treasure Island in the spring or in the fall. Very oh. excited about that. Okay. Good. And job. I was thinking about um, speaking of steakhouses. I was thinking about Treasure Island. I was thinking about we would go on drives in my mom's convertible and go to steakhouses. And there's Wibblechaus, not Wibblechausers. It's called Viederholz. Oh. <laughs> Wiederholz. What is a, a Wibblerschauser? Wibblerschauser is, is a name of a person, and they make a Wibbler's horseradish sauce oh. and mustard, and we just call it Wibblerschausers. Okay. Because we knew someone named Wibblerschauser. Okay. These are all connected in my brain, but Wiederholz. <laughs> Which this is, is a lot. If, on the way to Red Wing needs a moment, is a great steakhouse. If anyone needs a moment, I'd say hit pause, but we can't do it live. So, um, so there's that. Okay, so I want to ask you if you've heard about this trendy drink thing that's happening. Okay. It's a Tom Hanks moment. It's okay. called I've... Diet Cocaine, and it's a drink where it's three quarters Diet Coke and then a topper of champagne. So he's playfully calling it Diet Cocaine. Coke, cane, champagne, Coke. Uh-huh. And so it's like, 
taking everyone's like all about it. They're like, it's so delicious. People are like, it's so bad. They're like, I know I'm going to hate it. And then they sip it and they're like, wow, that's really delicious. Huh. And I think this is where mass hysteria starts. Because I got another one for you that's just like <laughs> because that. Because we tried it and it was horrible. It was just not great at all. And I, you know, I mean, it was weird. It was weird. And of course, I, I mean, like, I don't, I didn't expect it to be amazing, but people were going like, wow, it's actually really good. And I just think, oh, okay, I don't not like Diet Coke. I like Diet Coke. I like champagne. Okay, here's one for you. Okay. Ashton Kutcher yeah. is starting a thing where he likes to drink uh, medium or dark or splendid coffee, and he just likes black. But sometimes he likes like a more like acidic, lighter roast. And if they don't have that, what he'll do is he'll take his medium or his dark blend roast. And of course, I this is not how Ashton Kutcher talks, say, but is it this sounds who, so. This is supposed to be Ashton Kutcher. No, but the way that he talks about it, like the way that it just seems so elitist, I don't know. So then he puts a splash of orange juice in his medium or dark roast. Okay. Bold coffee that supposedly gives it the acidity of a lighter roast. Oh. And Bradley and Don tried it on their show on Friday, and I haven't done it, but I was thinking about, I got to have Stephanie and I try this. Yeah. Well, Dunn Brothers years ago had had a drink that was dark roast with orange juice in it. That was like an orange dark roast drink. It was... Okay. If you like, you know what I mean? Like, you have to like that sort of, almost that sweet acidity to it. What I might do, because I'm going to be in Mexico, and a lot of the Mexican coffee is super aggressive, I might like try it there, because there's fresh orange juice there, so yeah. I might give you a little, like, hey, I tried it. But isn't it a little, like, that's even going to make it more aggressive with your... No, it supposedly airs it out, Oh, and it makes it a little fruitier and a little lighter, so it okay. embodies a light roast then, Got supposedly, because it. Hmm. It, the acid does something to cut, like, the dark notes i don't know this i know me neither but i'm gonna try it okay because that's another one of those like just weird things like oh because ashton kutcher does it now tiktok's all ablaze yeah let me just let's start a trend stephanie what could we start um well okay can i tell you that what i thought of last night yes basically just this is not a thing that we're starting but i'm just telling you guys right now one of the other big hot trends right now is to take a pickle and put it like in basically what's a frico taco like put it in cheese pickle wrapped in cheese is like a giant trend that people are like i tried it and it was great and pickle co- i know wrapped in and cheese in like a fried cheese thing yep. and then i did see a report that you frico's coming back <laughs> I, listen but then i saw a report that said that the the thing that on pizzas this year is no longer pineapple is not the weird thing. It's the pickle is the weird thing. So we have two of those things happening. What I'm telling you right now, you guys, Minnesota, get ready because someone in the coasts or someone important that's not us pickle roll are coming for our pickle roll-ups and they it. will tell us that they have invented it and that it is this cool sushi and they are going to come at us and they're going to own it and we're going to be like, um... Oh, we've been um, doing the pickle roll for some you guys time. Used some to people rip on call that Reuben dip for the way that we do things. <laughs> and I'm just telling you right now, they are coming for our pickle dip and our pickle roll. Okay, that's funny. I know. I'm telling you, like that's how it happens. Like someone decides that 
I mean, think about it. Butterboards, that stuff was in a book. You know, that a guy yeah. had done that with the six seasons. Six seasons, And yep. then some woman decides to do it on TikTok and make it happen, and it is a phenomenon, right? And she, like, I think is somewhat embarrassed by oh, the fact that she's co-opted this man's... Yeah. And it's not her fault. She no. just made this butterboard, and it thing. just went. And everybody, it was the right time, the right place, the right time. That is what I'm saying, is that it is coming, they're coming for our pickle roll-ups. Our cream cheese, our ham, or our cream cheese and our corned beef or whatever. You know, I was going to ask you about this as a weird aside, because in Mexico, there is a lot of sushi. And when you get sushi in Mexico, it's always with cream cheese in it. Why are people putting cream cheese in sushi rolls? That's just the Americanization of it. And so then it just travels. You know what I mean? I find it really kind of gross. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't... Was it like that in... When they the, made sushi in the, Japan? God, no. Okay. No. The Philly roll is a thing that was created in America. Okay. You know what I mean? The Philly roll is like, because yeah. people are like, lox. You know, because they're thinking yes. raw salmon, so then they're thinking cured salmon. And I like lox and cream it's cheese. Not, I just not, don't want it in a roll. Right. And it's, to me, that's, you know, that's like the California roll is not really a roll that is true. from Japan Very either. true. I mean, things, there's a lot of things. And what about the weird mayo and then the, because everything is so like, you have cream cheese and you have this like weird drizzle of creamy mayo. Well, I would never, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that. But I would say that there's, you know, the way that sushi has evolved, you know, and Americans consume a lot of it. And of course, they're going to make it theirs. But this is exactly what um, the knife guy was saying before. Japan does the same thing, man. They've taken whatever, you know, everybody sort of takes something. The pizza game in Japan right now is insane. It is so so good and the things that they've done to understanding how to ferment the dough and then the cheese things and all that stuff so i just sort of feel like like i think of the taiwanese street food and how the korean the koreans uh took our corn dog and just like amped it up to 11 yeah so the korean corn dog is just a perfection mode on ours it's like you know, an evolution of a Pokemon. It's a better version of it. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with food evolving with different cultures takes on it. And I love that. I know that there's appropriation moments and all that kind of stuff. But for me, I sort of love to see, let's make things better. Let's take them. Let's make them different. Let's make them better. Take anything. And so while I'm saying this, and I've just said they're coming for your pickle rolls, I welcome (laughs) our food overlords to make it any better if they can. I love it too. And it is fun to think about like, just when I was talking about being at that Indian dinner and the dumplings she made, like every culture has like a dumpling. Every culture has a tortilla. Every culture has a vessel yes, of every- rolling up something and putting things inside it, potentially with rice and yes. eating it. Um, Panda, show. Panda, by the way, said she tried the fried pickle with cheese and it's her new workday snack. All right. So that's good to hear. All right, you guys. Great show. Fun times. I'll be back in a couple weeks. Okay. Ciao, ciao. See ya.